How many successful business people do you know that make rash decisions? Right. Oh, that's just not the case. It's what you're getting. Like Sean said, or you were saying, Sean says so they have the ability to slow things down. It's because they want to have a thoughtful response. Right. And it doesn't mean that they always, I mean, I know I certainly don't always make the right decision, <laughs> but um, I take responsibility for it. I can evaluate that failure and co correct it, you know, but the person that's always making rash decisions and is stuck in that mode, mm -hmm. um, how do you think they handle failure? Blame, 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 and complain, right? But the successful person is slow to make reasonable decisions, thoughtful mm -hmm. responses, not emotional reactions. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they, they always make the right decision, but they know here's what's going to happen. From that failure, they'll think about it and have another thoughtful response, right. constantly course correcting. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. We've got Sean and Lacey here with you, just as we are each and every week. And this week, we have a very awesome and interesting guest that I'm sure is going to have people thinking, probably commenting. All of our TikTok fans are probably going to have plenty to say about his beard and way more to say. <laughs> way about more to say content. about his content. <laughs> People don't like my hair on TikTok. I was telling, like I was clothes, telling Adrian, babe. I was telling, they don't like my they sparkly suits. I was telling Adrian, shirts. I was telling Adrian, the guy who cuts my hair, I was like, we got to get you on TikTok to defend yourself because all these guys are knocking my haircut. Like the barber hair. dude. So, hey, barber dude, I like his you don't haircut. know what you're talking about. Anyway, you don't know so, what you're talking yeah. about. Mm -hmm. All right. So we live in a world right now, a world that's topsy-turvy, um, a world where many people, frankly, don't know what to believe. Um, a lot of decisions get made off of pure emotion. Yep. We have social media where people are engaging, borderline fighting. Some people not borderline fighting. It's one thing to be like, dude, his hair's messed up. You should have used the number three or whatever. But another thing is like, hey, what your point of view on you know politics, on um, all sorts of things, on race issues, on gender issues, your point of view is absolutely wrong. This happens, they get super heated and nobody even makes good discussion points. It's just all emotional gibberish where people are yelling at each other. My way is right. Your way is wrong. I was going to say emotions are kind of the driving force that has, you know, split families apart, ruined relationships, made it difficult to connect with other individuals um, and frankly have uh, isolated people from the people that have been closest to them. And we're seeing this over and over. So this week's guest, mm. he decided to step up and help us to restore reason. Mm. And we're going to be talking about what does that even mean? Restore reason? Because look, the emotional people think they're reasonable. It's <laughs> the other person. <laughs> that person's being unreasonable. I am reasonable. You are not. Let's bring them on. Our guest <laughs> this week is Dr. Travis Corcoran, author, Amazon bestseller, author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. And he has written a book called Restoring Reason, Using the Ancient Liberal Arts to Defend Against Modern Manipulation. I'm super intrigued to find out about this modern say, manipulation. Not just amazing entrepreneur and intellectual, but friend, colleague, and inspiration for the two of us. Travis, welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Man, I... 
man, that intro, I really miss you guys. And I love that you understand the content and why it's so important too. how you just write into emotion, right? Which is the biggest thing I've talked about. Well, let's dive right into this. Um, first of all, first and foremost, why, why this book? Why is this something that, you know, a lot of people have a book in them, but why did you decide to write this book at this time, Restoring Reason? Well, I think you, you guys captured it right there in the intro. Like social media is the, the biggest like magnifying glass on how things are going in the world. People just at each other's throats, like what Lacey was saying about families. And I see this with my colleagues, like families are just being destroyed. And it's all because they, they're just so, I think it's the conviction bias. When you're, you're so convinced of something that uh, it's true. My emotions are so high about this one political item that uh, it's really high. And right now you see that in the world right now, we just switch from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And people just forgot what they were so passionate about maybe a week or two months ago. And now they're passionate about something else. And that's exactly how emotions should work. And I'm not saying we don't need them, but we should certainly be aware of how they work and why they do what they do. They have a certain function and they shift just like the tides. You know, how you feel right now may not be how you feel in five minutes or five days. But reason and logic, that's stable, sustainable. And that's something that should be reintroduced into our discussions. So that's why I wrote the book. I want to restore reason to politics, relationships, business, um, and just discussion even. if Man, if we could just restore reason to social media, like Sean was saying, that we might actually learn something from it. Well, one of the things in your title is you say using the ancient liberal arts. And for everybody listening out there, can you dive a little bit deeper into what exactly ancient liberal arts are and how that applies to restoring reason? Well, first of all, most people, oh. Travis, think that liberal arts is what oh, you sure. study. You <laughs> study school. that in school when you're really not studying anything. Yeah, you're like, what <laughs> so is this? What, what is I, got that a, I got an A in liberal yeah, arts. How do you how do you <laughs> how do you use arts? that to restore reason? Yeah, I hung out. <laughs> yeah, but, Sean, man, that's such a good point because people think liberal and uh, like i used to too i, uh, I went to a right. liberal arts college you know and like what liberal arts has come to mean uh it, you know th that's another problem we don't define our terms so liberal mm -hmm. arts uh according to its etymology is from uh liber and alles like over pertaining to liber or liberty or freedom so it's the arts pertaining to or of freedom uh, but now, yeah, it's taking a few humanity courses from foreign languages. And yeah, you're, you're a liberal arts uh, graduate. <laughs> that, that's not what it is, right? It's just like today you see all the people fighting like liberal versus Democrat. And they don't even know like as if they're opposites. You know, the opposite of conservative is not um, liberal. Yeah, I'm both liberal and conservative. I'm very conservative with my health care choices, my financial choices, investments, I'm conservative about those things. The opposite would be extreme or radical. I'm not radical for my decisions, right? But I'm also very much for freedom, which is what liberal means. However, just as those two words have lost their meaning, so is it with liberal arts. So it's what Sean exactly said, Matt. It's not what we think liberal arts are, but the ancient liberal arts are what they originally were. These uh, arts pertain to freedom. And there were seven of them, but I just focus on the first three, which has been called separately the trivium because it focuses on the quality of mind. The other four talk about the quantity of the environment around us. But uh, those first three are traditionally knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Mm. Uh, wisdom is just 
the expression of what you know and what you understand. And most people, I think, um, know that uh, knowledge and understanding not the same thing. Like knowledge is it's either correct or incorrect. Understanding is whether you can argue that to be true or false. And then, yeah, wisdom is just the expression of that. We've later come to know those in academia, like when like formal schools started to form, then they changed those to grammar, logic, and rhetoric. You know, politicians very well known for their rhetoric. Um, and a more contemporary way is just say input processing and output. That's what the mm. first three liberal arts or the ancient liberal arts. They're still around today. We just don't, we don't cultivate them or nurture them. They still exist, but they, it, it appears that, um, yeah, we're drowning in knowledge. I hear the age of information. Of course, I'm praying for the age of reason to come along, but or the age <laughs> of understanding, but we live truly in an age of information. The problem there is the information, knowledge, data, evidence, it can be correct or incorrect. So like knowledge alone in the absence of reason is not power. I, I get so tired of that, um, that trope, like uh, knowledge is power. Not true. Not really. I and mean, we were drowning in knowledge. I, my phone, I can pull up anything on Google right now, right? Um, it's understanding is power. When you understand something, I, I, to me, that's power. How do we differentiate then when we say knowledge, um, data, facts, truth? Um, isn't there a lot of people that have knowledge? Like, how do we end up where, where we have two opposing truths? based off of one thing. I mean, we could have, for example, a, a piece of research. Um, you know, right now we have all of this follow the science. So yeah. how can some person, one person be following the science and come to the conclusion that we should lift all of our mandates and another person is following the science and come to a completely different conclusion? Is it a fundamental issue in knowledge or is it in the understanding portion or some people just throw out knowledge or facts that are not true. Is that, how do we but reconcile yeah. that? Yeah, For, first is um, to distinguish the difference. Like there, you must have discernment between what is knowledge and understanding. And knowledge, when someone says follow the science, science also comes from Latin. You know, sciare, uh, that's Latin for to know or science is science. Um, so follow the science, that's like following the knowledge. And that's well, fine and dandy, but like I said before, knowledge or evidence or the science, follow the science, trust the science or um, follow the evidence. Evidence in the absence of reason is at best um, worthless. Um, at its worst, it becomes political weaponry, which is what we saw over the last two years. Science in the absence of reason can be a very dangerous political game. And the difference is um, knowledge, there's two, there's two ways we acquire knowledge, empirically and rationally. And uh, it used to be a long time ago, there was like uh, between Locke and Descartes and Hume and all these guys, Berkeley, they would, there was this big debate in philosophy. Like, and one group held to this idea that all knowledge is only acquired empirically, like through the five senses, some sort of observation, taste, touch, smell, hearing, what you see. And then this other group was empiricists. So it's the rationalists versus the empiricists. And the rationalists claimed that 
No, all the knowledge that we acquire is through reasoning. But the truth is, we acquire it both ways, right? We get it through our experience, what I see, what I smell, what I taste, what I touch, what I hear, what I read, the documentaries I watch, the podcasts that I watch. I'm taking in information empirically. The conclusions that I deduce myself through the second liberal art, logic or reasoning, that's rationally derived knowledge. And we, in our world right now, science has become so political that it's just, you must follow the science as if somehow science is equivalent to, or a synonym for the truth, which it's clearly not. So, So you talk a lot, I know, about defining terms. And so I guess what keeps coming up for me, and maybe you can help me unpack this, is this idea of truth. Like, first off, what is the definition of truth? Because I can technically acquire knowledge that would support the truth that I believe to be true, right? And so how does that work? And can you help me kind of unpack that? Yeah, uh, truth is a principled statement that conforms to reason and is supported by evidence. That's truth. Truth is a principled statement that conforms to reason, which is why like the second liberal art is so important. It's through um, a, a reliable, systematic, repeatable method, logic, that is, and what's lost on people is they don't understand that that is a system. It's very similar to mathematics. And what's the best way to equate this is And it's challenging for people if they've never studied it. And this is what I would say is the problem with um, uh, mandated schooling or compulsory schooling today is that that's been left out. But to put it in, hopefully you can pick this up. What logic is to science or philosophy or whatever is what math is to what math is to science is what logic is to philosophy. Math has operators like arithmetic. uh, You have addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And I don't know a single scientist that doesn't understand addition and subtraction. That would be ridiculous. Well, there's a lot of people out there that consider themselves logical thinkers who are drawing uh, valid conclusions or strong conclusions, but they don't even know what the operators of logic are. Conjunction, disjunction, conditional, biconditional, negation. If you don't understand those, how are you forming uh, deductively valid conclusions, right? I mean, I could, I know what sumo wrestling is, but it doesn't make me a sumo wrestler. People know, yeah, I know the word logic. I've heard logic. But if you don't know what the operators are, you're, you're not a logical person. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know what addition of subtraction were, you wouldn't call me a mathematician. Right. But people, like, I love how you said at the beginning, like, to Sean, the example, you're like, no, but I'm being reasonable. You're, be, you know, like everyone's convinced right. on emotion, that conviction bias, that they're being reasonable, being logic. And it doesn't take a lot. You don't have to be a lunatic like me and do like truth tables and validations and all this stuff. But if you just learn the basics, it's so incredibly empowering. And and it, it at the very least tells you that there is a clear distinction between I feel that this is true and I can prove that it's true. Hmm. The book is called Restoring Reason. If you are already like, man, I want more of this, you need to pick it up. It's an Amazon bestseller, of course. That means it's available on Amazon. It's also available at restoringreason.com. You can learn more about Travis. You can get in touch with him. 
Um, open up a dialogue if you're like, what you said was uh, absolutely baloney. All my, all our TikTok <laughs> friends, if you're not liking this, jump on the jump on restoringreason.com. Let Travis <laughs> know what you think. But try and use logic and reason. Don't just be all emotional about it. Um, this is a great point. So inside of this idea of restoring reason. Let's give people, you mentioned sort of the operators to this these constructs. Um, give us some super fundamentals. If somebody's like, sure. look, maybe I am being a little bit emotional on social media. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why I'm not able to effectively communicate. Also, I think that sometimes when we don't use these operators, it's like trying to explain science and never using addition, subtraction, multiplication, mm -hmm. division, never using that. Like, how do you explain it if you're not going to use the operator? So maybe people are like, look, I could be better at this. Give us the baseline starting points. How do we start to get better at using reason um, for our lives and in our communication? Yeah, good point. Well, the first is, uh, yeah, to, to get to the point of what you said about, like, am I being emotional or not? That, that's the best question. Like, evaluate yourself first. You know, the most popular question I get, I'll, I'll get, I'll answer your question, but one of the most popular questions I get is people will say, um, yeah, but if someone's being unreasonable and emotional, how do I get through, how do I get them to be reasonable? And I was like, how can you be certain? Do you know how to be certain if you're being reasonable first? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's asking me, how do I change other people's minds? Right. No, no what about my mind? Me. Yeah. How do I? check my own mind, Travis, because right. you're already convinced they're right, you know? I love this, Travis, just as an aside, this, I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm sure this applies. I'm not sure how it applies, but I remember um, we were at an event and Joe Polish was there uh -huh. and he asked a question of the audience and he was like, he said, raise your hand if you've ever been wronged, if you've ever been done dirty by someone, if someone has ever like scammed you, tricked you, like played you, raise your hand. And everybody in the room raised their hand. And he said, okay, great. So now, Raise your hand if you've ever done someone else wrong. Like if, you, if you've done them dirty, like if you trick them, if you scam like, them. No. And, and he said, he said, what happens is we judge others based off of their actions and we judge ourselves based off of our intent. intent. And I think in the same way, like I'm not being unreasonable. I'm not being emotional right. because right. my intent is not to be emotional, but we do need some of yeah. these. We need tools to judge ourselves because we never think we're emotional. We're always logical and reasonable. But that, that's a good point. And I, I know we have a question for you to answer, Travis, but I, what I was thinking about was um, we're still human beings. We can't be absent of emotion. Right. And so the, the, I guess the question is, cause I think I, you've talked about this before is that emotions shouldn't be the driving factor for the way that we react, respond, or think, but they should be like a supporting factor. Hmm. So maybe if you could explain kind of how emotions are used throughout this or what they're well, he's role. got three questions i know yeah, three que but <laughs> the, he's got this you, you got, got it this. you got it. No, good i actually i'm glad you brought this up because if there's one thing i have to explain to a lot of people and, and i've been pre-framing it now just so that i can like because it always comes up these people that are so invested in emotion due to uh, postmodernism has been like it's been rotting the soil for decades now, but some people are just so rooted in like, but my perception is everything. My perception creates reality. Everything is subjective, right? These are funny. Change, if you don't like the, if you don't like the things you see, change the things you're looking at, right? Is that the thing that they... Exactly what I say It's like, well, why are you arguing with me? You can just choose to hear 
that I'm in agreement with you if everything's subjective. <laughs> right? So, even the fact that you're using words to explain to me everything is subjective is a contradiction in itself because you're assuming that I agree that those words mean what you say they mean. Mm. But everything is subjective. And what's peculiar too is the same group of people that um, like hold to this are typically the same people that preach holism and holistic and this and you know balancing all these forces but they have no room for objectivity everything subjective no objective nothing mm. objective so there's nothing holistic about that right which is really funny because we have terms and concepts like truth that is an objective concept subjective yeah your perception your ideas those are subjective i have very my perception is subjective you know, we could talk about the truth uh, or some the truth of something, and you may have a different perception than me. That is subjective. My beliefs, my ideas, those are all subjective. But on the emotion thing, I always have to address this. Because people are convinced, I guess, I think it comes down to because emotions and thoughts, people somehow think they're like similar or equated, like they're the same thing because they're they're not physical, they're, they're, con they're mental constructs. And so it's hard for us to evaluate them. And so it's easy to get them confused. But emotions are reactive. That's a reaction. You, like Lacey said perfectly, you can't just turn them off. They're always there, they're automatic, which is why it's the number one place to go for politicians. They're always gonna appeal to emotion because even the most logical person can't turn them off. So. But thoughts, those are responses. That's why you hear emotional reaction, thoughtful response. So emotions, we just have to learn their function, right? They're, they're very important. Like emotions really important to me. I'm very passionate about everything I do uh, with my business and the school and the book that I wrote. I'm passionate. I wake up every day. It motivates me. But I don't use that emotion to tell me how I'm going to achieve the things I want to do. So I've been trying to explain it like this. The dashboard on your car is constantly reacting to the environment, the engine, the speed, the road. So I get temperature of the engine, the oil, the RPMs, the, how fast I'm going. That's all a reaction to how it is. But those same indicators, multiple indicators, just like we have multiple emotions, always shifting and changing as they should. But I insist i'm going here and this is how i'm going to go that they don't they shouldn't drive the car they just give you an indication of how it's performing and that's what emotions are they're a real live feedback dashboard indicator of my relationship with the current situation or environment mm. but they if you're ruled by them that you're you're not in charge of your life there's one voice of reason but there are many many emotions and that's chaos if they're in charge I've got to stop saying ruled by emotion too, because the truth is if, if you're not, if the voice of reason isn't at the center and controlling your life, you're not ruled by your emotion. You're ruled by the individuals, institutions, and ideologies that elicit your emotions. Mm -hmm. They are in charge. You're not in charge of your mind. Someone else is. They're just using your automatic reactions, emotions, to do it well wow. let's talk about that you the, yeah. one of the um reasons why you wrote the book as it says in the subtitle is to defend against modern manipulation um the drivers of this 
emotion. Um, what exactly are you trying or hoping that the reader will be able to defend themselves against? Uh, I put like in the beginning of the book, by the way, if people go to restoringreason.com, you can get the first chapter for free, like no strings attached, see if it's what you like. And I believe it's in the first chapter where I kind of talk about like the way I see it, everything is very like we, we are so toxic with emotions right now. Like the way you guys opened up this whole podcast with like social media, so emotional, people just throwing emotions back and forth and how quickly they shift and change. I, <laughs> it's almost as if logic and reason or our intellect has been murdered. Mm. And so we're left on this like sympathetic stress response or survival mode where we, we are just reacting to the next crisis, the next panic, the next, whatever we're told to be scared of. We are completely in this emotional reactive state. It's, um, I mean, it's just so engendered by every institution. So I got looking at it like a detective. If intellect is the victim, it's been murdered. Who are the suspects? Mm -hmm. uh, to answer your question, who, like, who are we defend? Who do we need to defend ourselves from? And I identify who I think the five main institutions are: academia, big government, big tech, and some, these, just to name a few. And that they're all accomplices. And just like a detective, you look at it like, what's do they have means, motive, and opportunity? And so uh, that's what I talk about, those five institutions. And I also think it's important, too. This is also why I started, like, uh, if I could say this, like, started coaching with you guys. I like to be around, like, people that I want to be like. Mm -hmm. Right. And you hear this all the time, like the five people you're around, you know, and your income is the average of the five people you hang out with. You can. Right. But what we don't consider is all the people that we hang out with. They are the product of those five institutions that op, that like occupy 100 percent of their real estate in their mind. So I only want to be around other people or my five that to some degree have restored reason like you guys you've, you're restoring reason to business you're restoring reason to this profession like you have for a long time those are the kind of people i want to be around the people that their eyes are open wide enough they know they need to be smarter than these institutions you can't escape them you just have to outwit them and that's what i'm hoping to do with this book well, I just real quick, I would love to think that our average viewer, average listener is a highly functioning entrepreneur, highly successful. So the tendency, Travis, when you say that, like, you know, look, there's, you know, logic has been murdered, is to shake your head and say, yeah, in, in all of everybody else. But me. But right. me. <laughs> is there a check to realize how deep maybe an individual may have gone down this rabbit hole unknowingly is there a way that we might know just how much that we have been in, uh, infected by these five influences uh this this is probably not the answer that anyone's looking for but it's one that you guys have heard many times i'll just re bring it up conflict clarifies we need discourse you need conflict it, and we've just lost, like, I mean, the last 10, 20 years, children get like trophies and prizes for eighth place, hundredth place, whatever. They don't know how to deal 
with loss. We don't know how to deal with conflict. We want to run from it or crush it. It's just, and it's unfortunate because conflict, um, yeah, it always clarifies. There's something that Sean used to say that I always equated to this too. I never shared this with you guys, but Sean used to talk about, um, you probably still do, uh, discernment, right? How to discern between different voices and like if you're in the ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. But discernment is, that's the only, that's the really only way to learn. We go to school now and you get fed one narrative or one way, one thing. That, that's not really an education. That's memorization. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, unless you're presented with opposing views and, and you have to exercise discernment between the two or multiple. Uh, another thing is too, people need to understand just because you're presented with two possibilities, it doesn't mean if one's wrong, the other's automatically right. They can both be garbage, you know? <laughs> um, but that I think that to answer your question, the only way is to constantly to, to check for a self-check is you need to be in regular, healthy conflict. Healthy. Yeah. Healthy conflict. Well, this is interesting because all I can keep thinking, I'm thinking about a couple of things actually. Um, but the idea of reacting versus responding and always asking myself, am I reactionary or am I responding to something? And you always say that, um, very successful people, they have the ability to slow down time, Mm -hmm. which is a very interesting concept because if you're reactionary, a reaction is quick right? Emotional. It's emotional. It's quick. Um, Successful people, they slow down time because they take time to respond, right? And I think that that's a really interesting thing because it ties in to even the idea of discernment. In order to exercise discernment, you can't do that in a reactionary moment, right? You have to be able to think of those two conflicting ideas or concepts that you're presented and take time to discern between the two, or to decide that they're both garbage, but it's really interesting thinking about these things. And what I do see in society is that people are so reactionary. Everything is quick to be said or quick to be told or, or quick to make a, even a, a decision and they're not discerning amongst what they're learning. Absolutely. Ask yourselves if we, any, all the listeners and yourself ask, we should just ask ourselves how many successful business people do you know that make rash decisions right oh that's just not the case it's what you're getting like sean said or you were saying sean says they have the ability to slow things down it's because they want to have a thoughtful response right and it doesn't mean that they always i mean i know i certainly don't always make the right decision (laughs) but um i take responsibility for it i can evaluate that failure and correct it you know but the person that's always making rash decisions and is stuck in that mode. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think they handle failure? Blame, 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 and complain, right? But the successful person is slow to make reasonable decisions, thoughtful mm-hmm. responses, not emotional reactions. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they, they always make the right decision, but they know here's what's going to happen. From that failure, they'll think about it and have another thoughtful response, right. constantly course correcting. I know we're coming up to the end of the podcast. So I want to come back to that question. So I want to leave our viewers and listeners with some tips um, because I, again, I hope that number one, that our viewership listenership is considers themselves to be reasonable, logical, the seekers of truth, 
non-emotional decision makers. I, ho I hope that. But at the same time, I hope that you understand that in today's world with all of the modern influences that Travis is mentioning, it's probably impossible that that's actually the case. And I right. hope that there, there is a realization from today's discussion that it, that that is the truth for everyone, for Travis, for you and I, it's inescapable, right? And even in our jobs, we have to be up on media, what they are spoon feeding people relative to conflicts in the world, relative to pandemics, relative to the economy. We have to be up on this stuff, but that's impossible to escape because then we are now victims of this emotionally driven medicine that they are spoon feeding us. And so I want everyone to have that realization, but I want Travis to give us some outs. What are some practical things that we should be doing if we want to begin to step out of our influence of these five influences and we want to start to become more logical? We want to start to become centered in our truths and be able to find healthy conflicts and healthy discussions. Yeah, the first thing is understand uh, Understand the words and the language you use. That's what the entire first liberal art is. That's why they switched it from knowledge to grammar, because it's about the construction of a statement. You know, the second liberal art is really the construction of the argument, which is a minimum of three statements, two premises at least, and then a conclusion from those premises. Um, so that that's where you start. Might be mindful of your words. Do you know what they mean when you say it? Like right now. Um, the word energy in, in like has lost all meaning. When people talk about energy, 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 fuel, energy, like what energy are you talking about? Thermal energy or what? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of lost all meaning, right? So know the meaning of your words first and then construct your statements carefully. People that argue, argue to me that like, yeah, but it's just words and you know what I mean. Sometimes I think, I don't think you know what you mean, but <laughs> um, like, I, I find it crazy that people are so lackadaisical or dismissive of the power of words. I mean, with a few choice words, you can empower someone, you could, you could crush their spirits, you could inspire them. Words are powerful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any successful people that would be irresponsible with power. So why would you be irresponsible with words? understand what words mean for i mean please right and then next would be once you get into the second liberal art which i i give a, just an overview of my book i mean i rec i give recommended reading on where to go to go deeper into that uh because most of the books i recommend people are like oh it's like a textbook it's too dry it's not sexy and I get that. That's also why I wrote this book and said, okay, well, here's what it would do for your life in these different areas, business, relationship, politics, health. Um, and then understand those operators that Sean was asking about before. I mean, just, just the word and and or, the difference between those and what they mean, the difference between a conjunction and a disjunction. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that and the elements of statements, then you can form conclusions. And like I said, you don't have to be a master at logic. You don't have to. I mean, I don't even get into like the higher level predicative logic and things like that. But just if you got a basic basic in it and it's very easy, you'll find it so empowering. And it's, it's like you just have to see it for the first time to know, oh, my God, there is a difference. There is a systematic method to thinking and logic. It's not just I feel logical. That is like one of the most 
oxymoronic statements I've ever heard. I feel, <laughs> feel, I feel like I'm logical. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And you know, I just one last thing. I yeah. I feel like you know, um, it's it seems like it you have to give this time too, because if you're an emotionally driven being or person, you, it's, you are reactionary. And so it's going to take time for you to be able to step into this, to control that emotional reaction that you are so used to having, right? Because there's a lot of things that I used to watch in the news and I would get a little bit emotional about. And I had to train myself almost like a muscle to recognize that those were things that were utilized to, to manipulate the way that I would think. And so it does take time. So I would just add into that, like give yourself the space to be able to work on this, to make that muscle stronger so that you can step out of emotion and allow them to support you instead of drive you. Travis, you knocked it out of the park. You knocked it out of the park with us today, as always. So good. Hey, the book is called Restoring Reason. It's available on Amazon. Um, I highly, we highly encourage you to pick up a copy. Um, what is it? You can get the hardcover for $34.99, the paperback for $19.99. You can get on your Kindle for $8.99. No, you don't put it on your Kindle. No, you really need get You probably book. should take notes in this. Then you also want to carry it around and you want people to ask you, like, <laughs> what are you what are you yeah. reading? And you then that that's how you can create conflict. I'm, I'm yes. reading about how you're so emotional. And then we can see if we can <laughs> yeah, we can work work on your skills. <laughs> Highly encourage you to pick up the book and begin to apply it. Um, I have no doubt that you're going to be seeing Travis in lots and lots of places. This message is so important um, until the big five figure out who he is and what he's doing. And then they're going <laughs> to start the, the, book will disappear. They'll start the squash concept. But we have them here on none of your business. And I mean, unless they, unless we get deplatformed, we're, <laughs> <keep it. laughs> oh, we're getting a letter, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Travis, for being on the show. Um, absolutely Thanks, amazing. Travis. Anything else to add? No. Nope. All right, everybody. We're going to be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Don't forget, each and every week, we're here with you with a brand new guest, diving deep on all kinds of things so that we can help you to improve yourself. We want you to be able to reach even more people, make an even bigger impact, and at the end of the day, leverage these tools to create the lifestyle that you desire. Make sure that you like, subscribe, get all those notifications set up because I promise you, you do not want to miss a single episode of the None of Your Business podcast.